0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Prime Time. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, 50% more companies in Singapore fell prey to ransomware last year, as such attacks increasingly become national security threats. The Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore, mirroring global trends, the number of firms in Singapore that had their systems locked up until a ransom was paid, shot up from 89 in 2020. 137 last year. It said in its Singapore Cyber Landscape 2021 report released last month that last year saw ransomware attacks graduate fully from sporadic and isolated incidents into legitimate national security risks capable of massive and systemic attacks affecting entire networks of large enterprises. Now, here's something even more alarming. Cybersecurity researchers at Barracuda Networks released a report last month saying that the volume of ransomware threats detected spiked to more than 1.2 million per month between the January to June period. To talk more about current ransomware attacks and what steps businesses can take to prevent future threats, we're joined now by Jacqueline Jane, security awareness advocate at No Before. They're the appointed security awareness leader for APAC at the world-largest security awareness training and simulated phishing platform. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Bharati. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Jacqueline, you have over 20 years experience in breaking down complex matters as such for the everyday audience. Tell us more about how ransomware attacks have evolved since you first got to know about such cyber attacks. Yes, it's quite
1: interesting to watch. I think more as we've become more reliant on technology and it's part of our everyday routines now. Without it, we're really quite lost. And with that has evolved the cyber threat landscape as we see it and as we call it. The COVID-19 pandemic spurred a digital revolution that accelerated the pace of change which meant the opportunistic cyber criminal took advantage of that. When business owners and us as individuals just were getting on with our lives and trying to get through, cyber criminals took advantage of the opportunities to catch us off guard or look for those vulnerabilities that a lot of small businesses these days just don't have that opportunity to patch and fix so it's it's quite fascinating to see how
0: it's developed over time that's for sure. Now the Barracuda Network's research found that dominant targets of ransomware attacks are still five key industries. We're talking here about education, municipalities, healthcare, infrastructure and finance. Why is this? I mean, is it just a case of them not having their defences up or high up enough? Or is it just a case of them being very strategic sectors where there's a lot of important data at stake?
1: You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. We have to look for the a the path of least resistance to get into the information we're looking for if we're a cyber criminal and where's the best place to go. If you think about a higher education um, institution for one place, they've got IP, they've got research, they've got all of the student data, they've got all of that amazing academic information that's there and the actual people who work within that environment. An enormous amount of valuable data that can be used either again Against them or sold on, so the value is quite high. Same with municipalities, so much information about the general public out there, healthcare, well, that is a gold mine. Or data that, again, is valuable, whether it be personal health data that could be used against you by a cyber criminal or a group of cyber criminals, and even through to infrastructure, which has the potential to take down a city. Could you imagine? I mean, I live in Adelaide, and we had a complete power outage mm. a few years back. Mm. No power. And it wasn't a cyber attack, but wow, that really did bring down the whole entire area. It's quite extraordinary just to think about if there's targeting of expensive cars, there's a reason. They're more valuable. And these particular sectors are high-value targets for cyber criminals.
0: Here's the thing. Hackers are moving fast to exploit security vulnerabilities. They're even using AI. And a lot of companies say, no, not to worry. I've got a great cybersecurity suite in place and a lot of good cybersecurity experts on staff. But really, can you ever really outsmart the hackers?
1: Well, look, here's, this is how I'll answer that. IT It professionals have done a brilliant job at protecting our devices, our infrastructure and our networks when it comes to technology and the things we use. What the gap is, is that education of the human, the user, even if we're at work or if we're at home or if we're a parent or caregiver and, and there are children accessing these devices. There's a gap there and cyber criminals, tend to move towards that gap because we know that, and there's global reports on this, happy to provide the information if your listeners would like it. Anywhere between 82 and 95% of these successful cyber attacks, breaches, incidents are the result of human error, which is phenomenal. So IT, the technology element, has done really well. It's that human error, unfortunately, that we still need to bridge that gap for, that's for sure. So training your people educating them so that they know what to look for, how to make better decisions online, and of course, ideally, move towards a culture of security where we're all doing those things when no one's watching, it becomes second nature.
0: Right. Certainly every single member of staff, every single member of your family has to be socialized to be more aware of this. I want to talk about ransomware attacks in particular because some experts have said it's actually a very lucrative model for the hackers with little or no risk involved for the actors because they often operate in countries where there's no extradition treaty and this allows them to operate actually nearly with impunity. So considering that these risks are borderless, do we at this point need better legal frameworks as well to act as a deterrent?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, we do. The issue we face is because cybersecurity, in itself, because of the connectivity of the internet and how you and I can talk like we are now, we can be on Zoom later on, there's so many things we can do to connect, cyber criminals can take advantage of that. And because of that, there's a level of anonymity. So you can be anywhere in the world infiltrating using a vulnerability or tricking an end user to clicking on something to deploy this this malware or malicious software which includes ransomware and it is no risk to the cyber criminal they could send a million emails out one person can click one company can get breached hopefully they'll pay that ransom to the cyber criminal because the fact we know so many companies are paying because then they can just get back into business They can't afford the downtime and if they can't afford it that's even worse they might even be out of business so it's a big problem that
0: we're facing what's being done to address the lack of a proper legal framework
1: i think part of the issue that we have is every single organization has their own policies and frameworks every country does every every country around the world has different ways to approach these things And the only way it will change is like climate change or anything we do um, together with other countries is to all agree to do the same thing. However, because a lot of nation states are involved where there'll be some countries in the world who are trying to attack other countries using cyber criminal methods, they wouldn't want to be a part of that and, and there's the hole that we will find. So five countries might say, yes, let's do something, but if the other five aren't because they're utilising that criminal nature using cyber, then we're never going to find that solution unless everybody plays along. So that's why awareness is, is the key for everyone to understand of what to look for.
0: You know, I was reading a report the other day that said that a lot of companies have just set up cryptocurrency wallets in anticipation of paying off ransomware attackers and threat actors. Now, really, this smacks of just throwing your hands up in the air, doesn't it, and giving up? Yeah. Well, sometimes, (laughs) yes, it it is. It's interesting. Yeah. Plus, giving in to the criminals and paying the ransom does not guarantee the safe return of your data, right? And it opens you up to future attacks.
1: Absolutely. And another thing that I would think most of us don't understand is that one set of data, like my name, my address, my phone number, my email address, that's already out there. I don't mind who has that. Um, Even if I've got 10 email addresses, I have no problem with that. It's the personal identifiable information, those unique identifiers to me, my passport, my driver's license, my health number, whatever that might be. Every country's different. Those are the things I don't want people to have. But that can be on sold, just that basic data. I could be on thousands of different spreadsheets and databases around the world with cyber criminals and you just don't know. So it's like you say, you could pay the ransomware but you don't know if your data is actually safe
0: mm. and not available to anyone else. Yeah, so that's the thing. What should a company do in that situation? So they've already been attacked, the data has already been taken, and now they're asking for a ransom. The attackers are asking for a ransom. What, how should you behave then?
1: Oh, I wish I had the answer to that. Um, most organizations should, if they don't, have a policy in place of how they'll approach that. Some cyber insurance will cover that type of thing. Others won't. It's becoming a very gray area. It's having the conversation. So if you're a small family organization or if you're a large one, have the conversation, what would we do? Are we backing up our data away from the internet so that it's safe? Should someone deploy ransomware? Can we say, okay, that's fine. We've got our backups here and bring that level of awareness to reduce your risk. I use an analogy Barati, that says if you're driving a car, Mm. Best driver in the world You've got your car looked after You're doing all the right things Keeping in the speed limit Accidents can happen Something can happen to the car Something could happen to you health-wise while driving No matter how good you are There's still the potential for accidents on the road It's very similar to cyber It's all the things an organisation can do To bring down their risk The likes of multi-factor authentication Looking at uh, password manager tools communicating all the things that people need to be on the lookout for that cyber criminals are trying to get into our system. It's that day-to-day conversation now. And if you ever think of using free Wi-Fi, think again and get yourself a virtual private network, a VPN. Mm. That will help you. So there are some basic things we can all do. So should our data find its way into a data breach, we don't have to stress so much. We can just do a few things very quickly and move along with our life.
0: I noticed that a lot of companies tend to focus on recovery in their cybersecurity budgets and their cybersecurity action plan. Recovery more than prevention. What do you think needs to be done to get them to see the positives of putting in preventative measures and to ensure that they have the right resources to do so? And I'm talking here also about smaller companies who might be worried about budgets and so on.
1: It's very interesting, I mean, there's an old term that I think my grandma would tell me, which is prevention's better than cure. Yeah, <laughs> And it, it really does ring true here. Um, we're better off to do both. We need to always have the worst case scenario because that is managing business risk properly. However, think about, well, how can we prevent it? And I think people hear, well, because you can never get to absolute zero or there's a silver bullet, doesn't exist, we just won't worry. If you could bring down the risk from, you know, maybe 80% down to 10%, I think I'd want that as a business owner to think, well, my risk is reduced, my awareness is heightened, my people, my staff, my employees know what to do. We're prepared for the worst-case scenario, but we're not so concerned about what happens when it does happen because it will. This isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So every one of us and most organisations – So being prepared, sharing data amongst businesses and finding all the things that you can empower what your world is to protect it should something happen.
0: I can imagine SME business owners going, but how affordable is all of this? Because budgets are tight.
1: They are indeed. And as I said before, most of them, I mean, yes, it's not always easy for a small business to understand how they might want to patch their software all the time and keep those things up to date if they don't have an IT department or an IT team or even an IT person. It's like having an accountant to do all your books for you or a financial advisor to advise you for finance. You're going to need to find someone to help you with your security for your device, infrastructure, networks and train your people and it's just not expensive as people think um, go onto the Know Before website, you'll find a lot of information there and just do some searches on your favourite search engine for security awareness training with the opportunity to test your users so that they can identify those red flags in emails because that's the biggest problem we have at the moment mm. um, but it's, it's just understanding this is part of business now and we can't hope it goes away, it's here to stay.
0: Jacqueline, I understand you're part of the Asia CyberCon conference. What are the hot issues being discussed here?
1: Yes, it's been fabulous to have another great in-person event. They're back with full force and Asia CyberCon is brilliant. Um, There's nearly 4,000 people here over the three days, which is great. And the focus is talking all about uh, resilience in a cyber world. Um, which I think we need to have that resilience. So rather than thinking, oh, we don't know what to do, how do we prepare for it? And should things happen, how do we go about fixing it? And the one thing I found today is talking to people who are moving around the conference and asking them, my question is, what's your biggest challenge you're facing at the moment? And because they know who I am and where I work, they will say to me, I can't get buy-in from our end users. Our people don't understand how important cybersecurity is. It's a common thread. So what you can do there is communicate. That's one key thing is go back to zero and communicate what's happening in the world of cyber to people. And if you don't know, reach out to someone who can and does. So I think we're a long way away from where we need to be. But I will say the human endpoint, human firewall, human focus is more than it's ever been, especially about security culture. So we can do things every day without thinking like work health safety picking up a box or driving safely or looking after our son in our skin in the sun those natural things we need to move there in the world of cyber
0: Right. And of course, you guys specialize in security awareness training. So certainly okay. a great resource. Many thanks. Jacqueline Jane, security awareness advocate at No Before. What an apt name, right? No Before, so that you can prevent an attack. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.